If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome in to this edition of the Opening Kickoff Podcast. We are back. And better than ever, with a lot to discuss around the sports world on this busy, what really isn't a busy time of the year, but it has certainly turned into a busy time of the year in terms of the headlines that are out there. We'll get into all of that. We're down a man as we, Brandon Stevens is away. Next week, we are all off. The B team will be in hosting for us as we get some much needed R&R after Father's Day weekend that we'll be celebrating with family. Well, now, I'm your host, Dave Salmonel, but I do got my guy, Peyton Gerard, is here with me. Peyton, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Got a big uh, big match against, you know, Father Gerard this weekend. And uh, a tough match, so I don't know. I don't think I can beat him in golf yet. He's too... He knows... He's been golfing way too. This is the thing about guys who've been golfing for years, right? Like, especially, you know, like the dad stuff. They know exactly what their golf game is. And they know exactly. They don't take chances. They just do the smart thing every play, no matter what. The only problem they have is literally, like, missing a putt. And I think my dad literally, like, shorts putts, like a birdie putt, at least, like, five times, six times around. Like, it's just so short. Or par putt, something like that. It's, like, so close. But that's, like, it. So, we'll see. We'll update next week if I beat him. We'll see. Hopefully I beat him. I, I was going to say, is it the sort of thing where, like, you all of a sudden, because you, you know that he's just Mr. Consistent, where you're like, all right, I got to take a chance. and I'm always taking chances. I'm always taking chances. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter that I outdrive him. It, I mean, he, he takes one every shot, one practice swing, very soft, and then he hits it immediately after. It's just like, you know, us, like, we're just taking, like, 50 practice swings, trying to feel, does that feel right, does that feel right? And then, you know, going to try to hit one as hard and fast as I can and just shank it right or pull it so far left. <laughs> yes, I think all of us that are young have been there and done that. On numerous occasions. We got a lot to get into. We'll get into it in a moment. We're going to talk about the NHL NBA playoffs. NBA decided today is going to be Newsday, apparently. Everybody and everything is happening, so we'll get into all of that stuff. The NHL playoffs will break down as we are getting close to the Stanley Cup final, and we have some interesting matchups there. Baseball has a a foreign substance problem. And the NFL has an interesting dilemma that is going to come up. But first, a word from our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. You got the U.S. Open 
is this weekend. Choose five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under base on its likelihood to occur. The more points the selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points and win a share of the prize pool. Thrive as new contests for each day of the U.S. Open. So don't sweat your golfers ruining your weekend by not making the putt. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018. It has 50000 guaranteed in prizes for the NFL Weekly. Use promo code KICKOFF when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant $50 bonus on your first deposit of 20 bucks or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. So, the big story in the NFL these days doesn't really involve actual players. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still in the news, still dominating the cycle. I was going to say, that was the exact word I was going to say. I was say, he's dominating. He knows yes. he's the guy who reminds at any moment. Like, I think Tom Brady is the best with social media, hands down. And... And that's whether it's either him or his team, whoever is running that account, which I do actually think it's just him. And except for like promotional ad shit, I'm sure that's like his team or whatever. But at any moment, and you correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think Aaron Rodgers could easily be better. Because I think Aaron Rodgers is just way smarter. I, I think the, uh, the, I agree with you. I think Aaron Rodgers knows how to manipulate the regular media better than anybody and it i mean we're also to a point where it is sort of getting i don't know if i'd say annoying that might be the best word to describe it but it's it's dragging on when essentially if there's no new updates we're wasting our time if that makes sense like there's other things to talk about so yeah yeah i i just think that it just tells you how serious he is. He didn't give a shit about the Packers. He didn't oh, no. care. And, like, he, like you know, I, we've seen guys hold out before. Like, guys, I'm not going to minigame. I'm going to training camp. Like, like oh, okay, we'll get it. Like, you guys, I mean, really need to think this dude ain't coming. He is very content. Think about it. Think about the things he's done since he said that. He's hosted Jeopardy. Did very, very well and was very receptive, and they like him a lot. He's having the match with Phil, Tom, and Bryson. You know what I mean? Like, no one else gives a shit about what he's doing. No one cares that he's doing what he's doing. Everyone, you know, for the most part, is kind of on his side, you know? So it's like, what does he have to lose? You know, Packers fans, I don't know if he cares that much. I don't know if he cares. What, I mean, maybe years down the line, it's always like one of those things, like, wish I handled it differently. Sure. But right now, like, dude, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, I'm going all in on this. I'm not playing for them. But ultimately, I think it may get to a point where he just says, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to play for him. I'm just going to, I'm going to suck it up and play one more year with them. And that's that. Because he ain't signing, he ain't signing a massive deal anymore. They can give him a tons of money. That ain't that 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 window sailed. He asked for that the day after the NFC Championship, and they didn't answer him back. So, mm. yeah, that that's a it's a situation that it feels like by the time we get 
to training camp, we're going to have the answer. Like this is this is the ultimate Mexican standoff that we have right right now going on between those two guys. The and Aaron Rodgers, Clint Eastwood, yeah, in that, that situation, and, he, and he's, he's just budget. waiting for you to blink. He's waiting yeah. for you to blink. So it, it's going to come to a head, and I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, we all need to accept he's probably he's got two options. I, I really think I don't think there's three or multiple. It's I'm going to retire. And I'm going to go do other things, or you're going to play one more year, like you said, and then leave. Like, th- those are the only two options I see as anything viable for Aaron Rodgers at this point. He's and not going to get traded. Go ahead. You can finish. Go ahead. I mean, he's not going to get traded because if he was, the Packers would have done it by now because now what you're going to get in terms of trade compensation is not what. Should what the worth should be for Aaron Rodgers. Yes, exactly. And my point being is, I don't know if you've noticed this at all on social media yet, just because our, our boy, shout out Ben Albright, following you a lot. Have you noticed that the Broncos Twitter has really been talking about how well Drew Locke has been doing in minicamp? Like, yes. I don't know if you, like, very, they're very adamant about how well he is performing right now. Like, I saw an article, it was like, he threw three touchdowns. Um, he threw three touchdowns in you know mini camp scrimmage, whatever. Why would you ever post that? Who gives a shit? Like no but, team posts it like that. You know what I mean? So they're basically trying to say, you know, in my mind, like, hey, uh, you know, we got this guy. We're we're good, man. We, we you know we're gonna try with him another year. You know we don't really need to gamble on anything. So like you said. People are trying to act like they're cool and they don't, you know, we don't need them. You know, we, we'll take him, I guess, if you're going to offer him. But, you know, it's kind of late and, you know, we're, we're very comfortable with, <laughs> I mean, imagine that conversation. Like, literally, they know you're lying, but, like, you just have, they just going to keep selling it like, yeah, we're comfortable with Drew Lock. I can't wait for in two weeks when we get to Derek Carr looks the best he's ever looked in Raiders camp after all. I'm all telling seasons. you. I'm telling you, dude, people are going to start um, those headlines for whatever reason. How well guys who we already know what they are 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 playing better than they ever have in, in, in practice. Here's what I'm talking say. about practice. Talking about so practice. Pre- if Aaron Rodgers is still in this situation when we get to playing preseason games, imagine, imagine what the headlines are going to be when Drew Locke throws goes like seven of eight for 120 yards and a touchdown. Oh, he yeah. looked great. Best he's ever looked. Like, these guys are going to go so over the top. It's going to be like Tua and Cam in the sense that these are two quarterbacks that I think have the most pressure on them. It's going to be Cam Newton goes five for ten in a preseason game. Is it time for Mac Jones? Or Tua goes five for 13. Oh, two is a bust. Two is not the quarterback we thought he was. Like you can already just see this coming. Just the way yeah. we're reacting to OTAs, which I think is laughable that we're even doing this. Exactly, but it's all ploy because people want Aaron Rodgers, That's and they right. need to make it seem like they don't. So you know they gotta. You know like, we don't need need it. We're not. They need to make. They're trying to flip it that they're not the ones chasing, and that the Packers need to chase to get shit get value for them. Yeah. Is this is this his last year on that deal? I think it's I think he's got one more year, but it's his last year of any guaranteed money, which is why 
what this whole thing started about at the beginning was Aaron Rodgers wanted a longer-term deal so where he could start to get some more guaranteed money back in his contract. And the Packers rebuffed and went after Jordan Love, and that's what started this whole train snowball effect that we now are, are, are essentially sitting and watching happen on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. All right. So let, let's talk about what we intended to be to talk about here, mm-hmm. which was vaccinations and the NFL. Because it feels like the conversation now in terms of dealing with the pandemic, which last year it was not trying to get sick. It's now trying to get back to that, that normalcy that we're all accustomed to. The NFL's got a very interesting way of how they're handling players vaccinating, not getting vaccinated. In terms and Mike of, Tomlin's the best. Mike Tomlin's yeah. the best, apparently. Well, a lot of teams. The Ravens are above are well above the 50%. There are a couple teams, four teams, the Jaguars, Colts, Chargers, and Cardinals that are below. They're tracking low in terms of the vaccination numbers. But the question I have for you, Peyton, is has is the NFL doing all of this to incentivize players to get the vaccine without essentially man- making it mandatory, which is what this feels like. Because now, now it's going to be tiered where if you're unvaccinated, you essentially don't get to be around a lot of your teammates outside of the practice field. You're subjected to testing every day, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Like It feels like the NFL saying, hey, you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage if your team is not vaccinated. I think it's like this. Well, one – I don't think legally you can make anyone get it. You can't, I don't think legally make them, but what you did, what you said and kind of alluded to, you can make their lives a living hell. Like you said, you can't hang out with people. You know, you're, you're like, basically you can keep them on the COVID rules from last year. And that'll be tough because you break those, then they'll suspend you. But I don't think legally you can make anyone get it is the problem that they're running into and you know people were like talking about geographically you know doesn't make you know obviously the jaguars aren't getting it they're down in florida it's like there's no like presence because those dudes are like you're combining you're literally taking people from all over all different aspects of life and they're on a team so like the political side of it you know maybe the jaguars as a whole you could say that maybe their organization doesn't feel like isn't pushing it for that reason, but like player wise, it's not really a good argument because they're all over the place. They're all from different backgrounds, different views and stuff. So you can't like say that, Oh, this is like a political you know, stance. Maybe for some people it is, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know how else you could do. It. I mean, and some people may just not get it and say, yeah, I'm cool with, you know, kind of like, you know, I'm kind of like the way people sat out. You know, I'm cool. I can just keep living my life. Just keep living like this. I don't need it. And it's like, it gets in that weird thing where, you know, if it starts affecting the team, how do you approach that? You know, like that one person obviously won't be getting paid. They could be, could they be fine? You know, I think there's a lot more legal issues than, than people realize. And I don't know exactly all what goes into that, you know, but I'm sure bunch of people paid on their salary know exactly how to handle this. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's where I find this whole thing fascinating. You're absolutely right. Unless you are a private entity, and the NFL at the end of the day 
it is a business, so they can mandate the rules, but you're going to go up against the Players Association, which is essentially a union, which would fight back, and it would be an ugly legal battle. That's why you see the other sports haven't done it. And we'll talk about, especially with basketball, because of the news that came down today as we're taping this, I think what the NFL is trying to tell teams is, look, if you get vaccinated, everybody's on the same playing field. I think yeah. they're in in a not so subtle way are telling you if you aren't vaccinated as a team, and we can't force you to be, but what we're telling you is you are going to be at a competitive disadvantage because essentially you're not going to be tested as much. If guys happen to test positive, more than likely they're just that player just goes away. You don't have to do any. You don't have to lose practice time, any sort of stuff like that. Whereas. Like last year where you saw these guys, like the Ravens, have this mass outbreak and can't go in a facility and guys are missing multiple games and stuff like that, you're going to have this. I mean, this is the reality of now where we are as a society in sports is, okay, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. That is your choice. We're not saying one way or the other, but you're going to put yourself and you're going to put your team at a disadvantage to where you you could hurt the team. And at the end of the day, this is a team sport. This isn't tennis. This isn't golf where you're a one-man show. You're going to affect your teammates. And let's say it's Zach Wilson of the Jets, and I only bring him up because he was asked today, or Lamar Jackson of the Ravens. You don't get vaccinated. You get COVID. You're out two weeks. Maybe it's a shortened time if you happen to test positive and you have no symptoms from the coronavirus, I don't know all the bylaws of what what is what can happen for vaccinated players, but essentially, you're not missing two weeks if you're vaccinated. And if you have a cold or a stomach bug, they just look at you and say, "Don't come to the facility that day." If you're unvaccinated, more than likely, they're sending you home for a week because they have yeah. to wait for the results. And that's where this is the NFL saying, "Look, we can't force it, but you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage." Yeah, and I think that's like the problem is because I don't see like if you test positive and you're unvaccinated, I don't know if they'll make them wait two weeks anymore because of how, depending on probably how many people are actually vaccinated and people who aren't testing positive, you know what I mean? Like the, the, yeah. there won't be that many. So I don't know. The NFL probably has a lot of shit to figure out by the time the regular season rolls around and what that policy and all that stuff looks like. But I don't know. I honestly just thought like everyone had already gotten it. Like I, I saw that report yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, just kind of figured like everybody like, had got I the mean, needle." Yeah, and like even like Chris Paul, like I don't even know if he doesn't have the vaccine yet or what, what's going on there, or like, you know what I mean? Like, I never read if he actually had been, you know, if he had gotten the shot or if he was fully vaccinated. How did they? Because I assume they're still just testing everyone, no matter what, right? Well, the NBA came out today and said that the testing window from June 9th to now came back with one player positive. So, I mean, you can read in between the tea leaves and maybe think, okay, he tested positive. Like, that's how, that, like, I can't help but look at the two da- points of data and say, there's a chance this happens. I think what, to keep it on the NFL side, what I think is going to happen is I think you're going to have a lot of guys, Peyton, 
that are going to go through a training camp, go through the preseason, and realize, hey, this sucks. I don't want to do this again. And yeah. At the end of the day, I can't fault the NFL for doing this because it's as much – it's not as much protecting the vaccinated guy as it is protecting the unvaccinated player because you're at the higher yeah. risk than the guy that's vaccinated. So I can't fault the NFL for saying, hey, this is what we have to do. If you don't want to get the shot, that is your call, but we have to put you – in this area, and we have to limit your contact and your exposure. And I mean, somebody, I, I know somebody's going to sit here and is going to listen to this and say, oh, you're blowing it out of proportion. It's not that bad. Well, you, do you want to take that chance? Like, that's the re- yeah. that's what essentially the NFL is saying. If you want to take that chance, that's fine, but you're going to be subjected to this while the guys that got vaccinated are subjected to that. And that's just where we're at. So I think you're going to have a lot of guys that maybe at first weren't getting the shot that now decide, hey, I want to get the shot just so I can go back to having a sense of normal and back with my guys as opposed to seeing them at practice and then being whisked away and not being able to be around the facility. Yeah, I I think it'll just determine, like, I mean, you're to see guys who don't care in the aspect, like, they're okay with, like, living their life. Like I said, like, you're going to say like, you know, keep them in their own little pod or whatever, like guarantee you, if you think, I mean, it's the same thing. Don't underestimate people. People do that. Like people, just as like people are the other way and they're so hardcore in vaccinations and stuff like that, like goes both ways. And I guarantee you, people are going to be like, I don't need this. You know, I'm healthy. I have, I have great immune system. I don't, I didn't get it last year. I'm good. You know, and I, there's a less, less, less chance of me getting it now. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be a big argument from both sides. It just depends on, like, like you said, how tough is it going to be? Or is it going to be even tougher? Can they make the rules even more strict, you know? But I don't know. I think I think ultimately it will come down to more – if people if they don't get it by the time, like, training camp rolls around. You're not getting it. Plain and simple. You ain't getting it. You're not. You're just not. And then if you test positive, you're definitely not getting it because you have the antibodies and they're like, well, now I'm just really not going to get it. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. It's going to be basically a case-by-case situation for each person, honestly. Yeah, not really a team-by-team thing, I don't think. No, I would, no I, would, I, would, I would agree with that. And I think, I think you're, at this point, because it, it's – I look at it from a couple different lenses because – coaching high school football, I'm in the boat where the vaccines are just now starting to get to the younger kids. So Mm -hmm. it's more so like our protocols have changed because of the way the country has, but it's still dealing with kids that haven't had the shot yet and being semi-cautious with them. If you're an adult, you've had your option. Like there is no more window. If you're not going to get the shot, you probably aren't going to get the shot, period. Unless, like you're talking about, you just decide, okay, this sucks being in last year. I want to get back to everything I've wanted to do. Yeah, And you would think like the NFL is going to just have to keep testing whether they're fully vaccinated or not. Right. I would think because you can't assume major league baseball is a perfect example. You had the outbreak with the Yankees. Now they all had the single shot, which again, doesn't have the efficiency or efficacy of the, of, of the two shots. 
but you had that where, again, I think guys only missed like a week or so. But then you had Fernando Tatis, who, who didn't have, I believe, didn't get vaccinated, and then he tested positive. Like, that's going to be what you're going to have here yeah. in the NFL. But that's now, the thing not, is, like, you don't know if people are vaccinated or not until, like, they say they were or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the Chris Paul thing. I haven't heard anything on that. Like, I don't know. Like, what if he had one shot and then he didn't get the other? Or he did. He does have both. Like, that's what I'm saying. How would they have known that unless they are testing everyone? So it is interesting. And I think the policies are going to be very interesting going through. I think each sport, ironically, is watching what the other sport's doing and trying to figure out if that works better. Yes. And they're just like, like, because, I mean, the NFL really didn't do a bad job. I mean, it sucked for a lot of teams who got it. Like, that was inevitable. But, like, I mean, for the most part, you know, they didn't let, they didn't let, a, lot of, they didn't let a lot of shit slide last year. You know, I don't think anybody got – you know, any special treatment or anything like that? No, I mean, I think you got close, and I'll be the first to admit, I think you got a little close there with the uh, uh, Major League, with, with the Ravens. That was about as close as, but I don't know if you could really fault, uh, really fault the players as much as you faulted the staff member that brought it in. So that's, again, where you have the uh, real gray area with it in terms of, okay, can you punish guys now? Because, again, that's essentially at the end of the day what we're discussing is can the NFL outright punish players for not getting vaccinated? And the answer is no, yeah. because they ripped uh, Bill, the Brandon Bean, the Bills GM, when he came out and said, hey, I have to consider – Maybe cutting a guy that doesn't get the vaccine because it puts my team at a disadvantage. That's what I'm saying. That you know, on on this, like that that's basically the whole point. Is that league can you legally fire someone for not doing it? That's the thing. Like I know like there's a lot of jobs you can't do that. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you know, religious reason, whatever the hell it is, but I mean, realistically, I don't think that's a real reason. That's just like ridiculous. Like, you know. But uh, we won't get into that. Well, we're in, by the way, all of our takes on this are just our own takes. These are not facts. These are not, you know, we're not scientists. So I'm just going to leave that out there. That take take everything we say with a grain of salt, and you know, make your own opinion on what you feel. So yes. let's roll with that. Yeah, we're not telling you one way or the other. All right, let's get into baseball because baseball. It feels like whenever we talk about baseball, the sport I love, second favorite sport behind football, there's always a scandal. There, We've had the Astros. We had the Red Sox. Well, the new one that came down the pipe is spider tack and foreign substances in Major League Baseball, which has caused a stir. So Major League Baseball trying to curb the use of foreign substances in the game has come out with new rules that the umpires are going to begin enforcing this coming Monday. What is going to happen is if any major league pitcher is found to have a foreign substance on any part of their clothing, uh, equipment, etc., they will be subject to a 10-game suspension, ejection from the game. It cannot be challenged. The umpire, crew, umpire and crew shall have sole judge as to whether the rules have been violated. 
the pitcher will ultimately be responsible for any ball that is delivered with a foreign substance on it. If a player other than the pitcher is found to have applied a foreign substance, both the position player and pitcher will be ejected and automatically suspended. Catchers are going to be subject to routine inspection. The big thing that this new argument leads to is the 10-game automatic suspension for pitchers. Tyler Glass now of the Rays, whose season is over, partially tore his UC, UCL in his arm, had some very hard takes. He uses sunscreen and rosin and had to stop using it because of the crackdown on foreign substances. He is claiming that that is the reason why he blew his arm out was the difference in midseason is his argument. Peyton, I ask you, what do you make of everything that's going on here? Do you think, let me ask, I'll phrase like this. Do you think Jacob DeGrom, Trevor Bauer, and Clayton Kershaw, if they don't have that, do you think they're going to throw slower? No. Or I, honestly, do, you think, I, do you think they're going to throw a worse pitch? No. Do you think it matters? Do you think to them it matters what you give and take away? No, because to those, those three guys you specifically named, we they're not. We know they're not using. Trevor Bauer has been very outspoken about that fact. So mm-hmm. those are the guys that aren't using. I it, to me this is laughable. This goes back to the steroid era conversation with Major League Baseball. We did this before. We knew guys in in baseball were using steroids. Yeah, but when we when it benefited the game, we didn't care. Yeah. I think it's also, like, I'm not the biggest, like, I don't understand, like, the science and stuff like that behind it. The most I knew was, like, pine tar and stuff like that definitely gave it. I don't even know, to be honest, whether it makes it go faster or makes it. I always thought it made it spin more. I thought that yeah, was that's, the that's pretty that was much the whole. Well, everything it would, does. Go ahead. Explain it, it take, to me like I'm five. It can take a slider and have have a slider have more sharp break to it more spin, more movement. So essentially it can look like a wiffle ball. If you have, especially the spine attack that they're talking about, you can make an off speed pitch look like a wiffle ball to a player because you can just get it to spin. You can move it wherever you want it to go. All sorts of stuff. It's interesting. It is. Because you know, it's funny is like not, not it's comparing, but it's like, that take does it take spin off or does it, it, it add adds it adds spin? It's so like funny, can, is like when you put it on it when you put shit on like a driver in golf, like chapstick or something, it takes spin away. So like it doesn't, it's just a, you know, two different balls entirely, but it's just interesting. Like all these foreign substances that people could or couldn't be using and shit like that. But it's like I don't know, man. I mean, is it is this really that big of an issue to people? Like, you know what I mean? Or is it baseball is trying to do what they think is right and they know it's not the biggest deal to get them some good press, that they are an honorable, you know, organization and all that shit. But it's like, I I don't know. I, I just don't get, like, is it really going to make that big of a difference? Like, how many people do you think use shit? You know what I mean? Oh, like, I, how many? I think it's about 80%. I really That's what I'm saying. So, like, there, everyone's already using it. You know what I mean? Now, I'm sure there's, like, a substance that is, m- like, way more effective 
than that. You know what I mean? But it's like, I mean, you know, guys put chalk on their hands to like get a better grip and like in basketball or, you know, football, sometimes they do, you know, some interesting things like shit. Look at the gloves they wear. Those are basically just super glue right now. And I mean, it is what it is, but it's just weird that like all of a sudden that we decided to make this a thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't I'm get I don't get like why out of nowhere we've arrived at this conclusion that we need to finally penalize people. Like I haven't seen anybody. Maybe, you know, I, I did think today maybe the whole no hitter thing this year has really like resonated with baseball and they feel like that's why. But it's probably not. It's probably just because somebody's absolutely on their fucking game that day, like in any other sport. Some guys just have good days. Some guys have amazing days, and some guys have shitty days. So it's like, I don't know. So I'm, I don't know, maybe, maybe I want about. you to pull up, by the way, while I, I go into what I think the reason is. I want you to pull up that thread you sent today, because I think that in amongst itself, and I'll let you read that in a second. I think that's the most interesting thing about this in terms of the larger issue in baseball. But here's what I think happened. You had declining numbers of runs being scored, balls being put in play. These numbers are tanking in baseball. The game is getting boring because you can go 30, 40 minutes in a game and not see a ball put in play. Like that's what you're seeing in baseball. There is that possibility. So I think what has happened is – Players, especially batters, started complaining. I've never seen a ball move like this. I They have to be using something. I've never seen a curveball with that sort of movement on it. Major League Baseball sees this as an opportunity. Hey, if we take away these sticky substances, these foreign substances that are helping these balls move and all this stuff, it's going to create more offense. Because at the end of the day, that's what baseball needs, more offense. Nobody wants to sit through a one nothing think pitchers do anymore so in, in a way you're trying to get offense into the game and they think this is the way to do it i think they're wrong in this way in that this is the reason why your analytics is what has hurt this game so badly because it won't matter if you take spin off the damn baseball your problem at the end of the day is still going to be your hitters are trying to hit home runs in 0-2 counts as opposed to just putting the ball in play so they're picking the really juvenile and easy thing to do which is the use of foreign substances when there are far other things that major league baseball could be doing to fix this game but for rob manfred this is the easiest thing to do I think it's crazy. I think it's sad that we're at this point because if you really wanted to crack down on this paint and you do this two years ago when this started. You Bro, you do this now. years ago. You do this exactly. shit years ago. Exactly. Like, now you've let this run rampant and everybody's using. Now you're trying to play catch up. You can't play catch up with this. Because think about this, like, Dave. Go ahead. Think about pine tar, right, in the glove, right? What yep. what happened to a pitcher if he got caught with it? They had his glove confiscated, and he was probably he was thrown out of the game, not suspended. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like now, all of a sudden, decided like suspension's the way to go. Like this has been going on for so many years, decades. Um, right. 
I mean, like how it, like how there's no so consistency. Many there are so many examples of where we've seen guys. I mean, I'll never forget Michael Pineda with the Yankees. Literally, just put a glob of pine tar on his neck, and we were yep. all like, "Oh my god!" And it's like ten other guys come out and say, "Yeah, we do it all the time. It helps us grip the baseball. It helps us throw." I don't think batters are complaining about the fact that they're using something. I think what they're complaining about is the fact that they're making a ball move that in a way it shouldn't move. And I understand that from the hitter perspective, but if you're major league baseball, you let this happen. You let this go on. Now I do think in a weird roundabout way, Tyler glass now is technically right. You have guys that have been taught to use this substance. Now you take it away. They have to throw the ball completely differently. And I do think it led to injury for Tyler Glass now. Yeah. Do I well, think, think he about, should be do I think he should be admitting it? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm-hmm. way to just make yourself look bad, even though he said it's sunscreen and rosin. Okay, it still looks bad. Don't be the poster child for this. But yeah, I think he did have a lot of positive. He did have a lot of positive feedback out of that, though, which was kind of surprising. You right. know what I mean? And that's because we all know this is happening. Anybody mm. that watches baseball knows this is happening, which is why I wanted you to pull up that thread because this is it. the greater point for baseball. Everybody so base, in this game is trying to cheat. Go ahead. Yeah. So basically, Ryan Spader, the ace of Spader on Twitter. Start off, and I'm going to skip a few of them because they're just kind of long. I'm going to spark note this. But the first tweet goes, I've had enough. I think I'm coming out with everything tomorrow, going to sleep on. He's also a baseball reporter. Um, and he goes on this long thread of like, you know, I do not mean to burn anyone. I love baseball. I've just had enough of this bullshit, um, which is fair. Um, he starts talking about the Royals, the first team with a full analytics and video department close by their dugout. Doing so in 2015, their World Series championship year, how they use it, I do not know. No one knows. Yankees had cameras in left, center, and right, all pointing at the pitcher's glove rather than the catcher to pick up his grip. Aaron Judge at home, 312, bat, 312 440, and 725 averages. Aaron Judge on the road, 256, 404, 531. So drastically different away versus home. Dodgers had an employee who was caught setting up cameras at Minute Maid Park wearing an MLB polo shirt when he should have been wearing a Dodgers polo during the 2017 World Series. Uh, this one hurts to say, he goes, my favorite player ever, in quotes, Chase Utley was the biggest cheer of all time, end quote. Didn't really elaborate at that. That was kind of... The that was just kind of yeah, it was really odd that he's kind of... It's like a weird blanket statement. Uh, and insane sounds, Andre, Adrian Beltre had a buddy with binoculars in dead center who would wave a beater under his undershirt, wife beater, if he was getting some something off speed in 2017. Home, 362, 440, 586. Away, 271, 333, 489. And, you know, obviously the Astros sign stealing came from Beltran, New York, and Texas. That's where they say that they got the idea for it. D-backs use humidor balls when pitching and and non-humidor balls when batting at home. I do not have a time frame on this, but I'm confident it happened. Um, You know, just tons of things. Best one was some guy replied, because this guy's been trying Wolf way too many times as far as I'm concerned. He's complicit until he actually speaks up. The guy, (laughs) uh, Ryan Spader, just replies, wham. (laughs) So... um, yeah, so basically, I mean, it is what it is. It's just, 
you know, there's nothing really you can say about it. It's very apparent. It's always happened. Cheating different ways. Um, it's just insane. I don't, I don't get why there's such a big deal. I mean, obviously, like, I get, I'm not, like, when we say this, we're not condoning cheating. No. We're just saying that, you know, gaining a conscience this late in the game is, like, so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and, and I want to make this point, and then we got to we want to move on and talk about the playoff series going on. But you want the greatest example of it. Watch a game and watch when a runner gets on second. What is the first thing a catcher does? Walks right out to the mound. Why? Because he's looking at the pitcher. And Peyton, if you're the pitcher and I'm the catcher, I'm looking at you and saying, we need to change the signs. Why is that? Because you know damn well the guy at second is looking into the catcher's hand signals, trying to figure out if he can tell whether that's a fastball, slider, whatever pitch it is, so he can look at his buddy at home plate and give him some sort of signal, hey, breaking ball coming, fastball coming. Yeah. That has been going on for as long as, t- as the game I, has been played. And I don't have a problem with that. That's just like you being observant. You're in the game. You know, you notice it. I'm going to say it. Like, it's in football. Run to the right. Run to the right. Watch the ball. Watch the ball. Like, you know what I mean? Shit like exactly. That. Like, you know, like, that's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with you trying to figure out what signs mean shit if you do it the right way. If you actually do it the right way. You know, look for tells. Look, you know, I've always heard that, oh, God, I don't know who it was. And there's, like, a story that, like, the Red Sox in 04 – got really good at the end of the year at figuring out tells of pitchers but not off signs off their like body language something yep. weird like that and I don't I, it wasn't them but it, I knew it was a while ago it was early 2000s I, I want to say it was Red Sox something like that but they figured out or they had someone that was very capable of reading people's body language and understanding situations and like you know they're just educated guesses they weren't like you know it wasn't 100% accurate but it definitely helped them you know, and you know, getting the right pitches, swing away, stuff like that. So, yeah, I just think baseball. I mean, time and time again, tries to right the wrong that they let go for years and years and years. You know, it's like it, it's not even like they got their hand caught. You know, in the cookie jar. Like no one's gonna, no one's holding them accountable. No one's doing that. No one's like going out in the press every day. Oh, baseball needs to do this, this, that. Like. Some players will speak out, like Trevor Bauer and them. But other than that, I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into this more as this continues because this is going to be probably the most fascinating thing to watch is how is this enforced going forward? Are we going to see the Garrett Coles and some of these bigger names get yanked in a game because they have – some sort of substance somewhere on their body or their glove. That will be the most interesting thing to watch. Let's go over to the ice real fast, talk about the two series going on, Tampa Bay and New York. The Islanders and the Lightning, they're both even at one apiece. Canadians and Vegas are playing tonight as we tape this. Let's start with the Lightning and the Islanders series, Peyton, and the interesting officiated game that was game two that seemed to Horrific. spark a lot of controversy. Horrific. From last Terrible. Night. Terrible. I mean, you got guys like 
pushing like I just think specifically like last night they're pushing like literally their own the own defender on the Islanders is pushing a Vegas player in their offense basically on a breakaway into your own goalie who by the way I don't know if you guys have noticed this is playing off his ass he's literally just standing on his head and playing out of his mind you probably don't want to do that and you probably and then they penalize the Vegas guy cuz he they call interference, right? Dude, what are you looking at? Like you guys probably look use replay more than anyone on penalties. Like they review every penalty. You know what I mean? And like it's so crazy that like some of those like some of those calls last night. It was just, it was it was absurd. But the Lightning and you know, they get the dub and you know, all is right in the world. What I will say is in watching it, I think what ended up happening, and the only logic I could see in why they gave the penalty to Braden Point was because, yeah, he got pushed, and there's as obvious as day that he got pushed. I think their argument was he still had enough time to at least try and, and it avoid running into Semyon Varlamov. And Dude, you ever been on like, skates? I know. You ever been I, on I know, skate? I You're a drive that. on ice? You ain't got shit. You can try. I know the argument, but I think that's where he got the penalty was that he didn't make the effort to at least like at least get out of the way. So that's where I was kind of like, I'd like to that's where you need to talk to officials after the game. You need to be able to look at an official and say, okay, give us the logic in the background behind why you called it this way. Because that would have been a perfect where you just kind of look at him and say, look, we gave it to him because he didn't try to get out of the way of Varlamov, who was just a sitting duck. I could understand that. The too many men over the ice one was was also just as, just as odd and confusing. Yeah, and, uh, extremely. That felt like the makeup call. Yeah, maybe we did kind of blow the one earlier. We're not going to. We're not going to call too many. Members. And hockey would do that. Hockey is oh, yeah. a, is a very there. They are a sport where if they feel someone got wrong on a penalty before, they will write that wrong as soon as as soon as they can. So let me ask this question before we talk about Vegas and Montreal. Can the Islanders actually do this? Because I think we God, can. I hope not. God, I hope not. See, I, I think, think they can. I think they uh, I don't think they have enough. I don't think their gonna, goal scoring is going to be. You're going to have a problem. If here, the big thing is if they're if Islanders goalie can't keep up with what he's been doing, like it just takes like one game to get you out of that groove, and it can take the Lightning very quickly to get in that groove. Like, you know what I mean? Both those things can happen almost some, you know, very quickly. And, you know, you let Kucherov get going or any of those guys, like, they probably have, like, the best goal scoring definitely available right now. I mean, like, they are so good offensively where I think the Islanders play a lot grittier style. I think that they, you know, they play very, they play very aggressive, very passionately. But that can also, you know, hurt you, especially on the back end, you know, when you're trying to get back down the ice and you were literally just all in on offense and now you're caught, you know, hand down, <laughs> hand down your pants and like, oh, shit, got to get back. 
it's like those are the things but i'm saying i think the biggest thing is the islanders could do it but they need their goalie to be on this fucking p's and q's like the last you know last two series just can't he can't mess up because if you if they lose i'll tell you this if they lose a game by more than three goals i'm calling it i'm just calling it like confidence gonna be down they'll be down in the series i'd assume like if that, if that next game ends like six three or six two, I'm calling that shit. I, 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 I ain't giving that back. What I will say, if you're an Islander fan, the Islanders are going to have to dictate. Like they're going to have to play their game, and it's going to have to be that sort of style. Yeah. Because I think you saw that in Game One when the Islanders play. That defensive-oriented, what we're accustomed to seeing out of Barry Trotz's teams, where it's defense-oriented, you capitalize on other teams' mistakes, then I think the Islanders can win this series because I think they match up better than anybody in the NHL Mm -hmm. in that style. But you can't match the Lightning, like you said, with that those lines and the ability to score. If If Tampa Bay gets running skating circles around you, you're in trouble. So New York... Out of all the four teams left, New York has to play at their game because they just they yeah. don't they're not like you said they're not able to adapt and play different styles. They play their style great, and it wins them series. It beats the Pittsburghs, it beats the Boston's, but if they don't play their game, they get freight trained. And we saw that a couple times Penguin series where they gave up, lost I think one game by three goals maybe. Boston had them, I think, one time by four goals, like five to one. It was an ugly game where you're like, okay, the Islanders, fairy tale's over. If they can play their game and their physical style of hockey, then they're fine, and they can beat Tampa Bay. If not, Tampa Bay will, like you said, eventually just be too much for the defense and for – uh, whether it's Ily Sorokin or uh, Varlamov, they are just not going to be able to keep up and score goal for goal with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, look at Kucherov. Kucherov didn't play an entire regular season. Came back for the playoffs. Dude's dominating. He's dominating of every aspect. You know, defense, offense. Like the, those are the things that don't make you. Yeah, I mean, we're we're basically reiterating, but like they can't. They can play catch up. Islanders can't play catch up. No. The Islanders are a team, they get down a, down a goal or two, and you're just like, yeah, okay, this is pretty much pretty over. much over for them. Because they just, they don't, I mean, they have guys that could do it. I'm yeah. not saying they can't. They have Barzell, they have Pajo and Kyle Palmieri in that second line. But, I mean, you can look at Tampa Bay, they got three, four lines where you're like, oh, man. I'd take Tampa Bay's fourth line any day of the week. Oh, yeah. I'd put them – they're just as good as any team's top line. You can make the argument when they're on. Let's go over and talk real fast. Montreal and Vegas before we do some NBA quick hits and get out of here. Vegas. Just Vegas. I'm going Vegas. They're just built different, man. Like, and thinking about, like, next year with the Kraken starting, they're going to make the playoffs. You're just so set up, like it is like, and I know like Sav, you know my fiance, she hates Vegas because they're so good so early. Like, and I'm like, I have an argument, and I'll ask you this because are you going to go Vegas? 
I think so, but I do. I I will say I think Montreal can make this a seven game series. I think they Montreal could. very well could is very talented, so. but I think the difference is Vegas has been there. Uh, this Montreal team hasn't been there. Like this stage, yeah. I think does get overwhelming, and that's the difference when you look at these four teams. Eight, three of them have been on this stage before. Yeah. Montreal was a team that everybody was high on. I remember when we had Dan, Dave McCarthy on at the beginning of the year, and we were so stunned at how Montreal started. They had that tail in the middle of the year where it was like, oh, they may not even make the playoffs. They get hot again at the end. I mean, they're the hot team, and Carey Price is the hot goaltender. But this yeah. stage, I think, is going to get to them eventually. And I think Vegas is just too much. But I, I want to hear your question. So my question is, is is what the NHL does with new teams, is that bad for the sport? I would say it's good because starting a new team in a new city, especially like Vegas or Seattle, which frankly aren't hockey towns, they're just not, and them being good right out the bat, it's amazing for the sport. Grows it immediately in that area. You're going to get, I mean, think about what playoffs do in hockey do. You have literally people, hundreds and thousands of people outside those stadiums just watching on the big screen. And that just creates so much more business. Like all that, like every aspect for the city, everything is so good. Like, I don't think, you know, like you look at other teams, like you look at how the NFL does it. Like those teams suck. Like they suck for a long time. Like the Ravens are a very rare breed where they had very good success early on. You know what I mean? And, you know, maybe, you know, that that helped them. But, I mean, it's just like starting like a new team. I, I don't know why you wouldn't want them to be good. It's just so much better for, like, the growth of the sport itself. Especially in these areas where va- hockey, no one in Las Vegas plays hockey. You know? Like, maybe people, you know, they'll play, but then they have to fly out and they play on travel teams and God knows what else. But it's like, that's what you're doing, man. I think I think it's just good for the sport overall, growing it. Let me add something to why I think this is good that you didn't mention and I think needs to be talked about. Not every team does what Vegas did. If you look at Vegas and the hirings that they made, and down to head coach, GM, all the front office, they didn't gamble. They went with what they knew were surefire Guys that knew the sport inside and out had respect all along the way. They essentially hired good hockey people. And Hell that's yeah. why that's why they're different. Now, Seattle, I'd have to go back and look at the hirings. I'm not saying they aren't, but we'll need to see the moves they make. But that's where it's different. Vegas, every move they made was picture perfect to who they signed in free agency, who they took in the expansion draft, to who they hired in the front office. These were all people that made the right moves. So you you may not have that every time you do an expansion. You're not going to get that fortunate where you have an owner or a front office that's able to think like that and say, okay, we're going to get all these sur- all these people that are well-known, well-respected. I mean, Gerard Gallant got hired right up by the Rangers before the rest mm-hmm. of the coaching cycle kept going. That was who Vegas hired as their first coach. Not everybody does it the way Vegas did, and maybe not the way that Seattle does it, 
we just don't know what Seattle's going to look like here once they get going. But I think it's great for the NHL. But you have to have the right guy that understands, I need to hire the right person. And that's what Vegas did. And we're going to find out if Seattle does the right thing here. So is it wonky? Yeah. Does it suck? Because maybe there's a, a, a good veteran that your team loses in the expansion draft. Yes. But that doesn't always necessarily mean the right people are running that franchise. And Vegas just hit it right with who they hired. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, let's do some NBA quick hits here before we wrap this podcast up. A lot of news came down today. We talked about the Chris Paul situation, the ongoing situation with testing, maybe testing positive, nothing confirmed, nothing official yet, but he is out indefinitely. How bad does that hurt the Phoenix Suns? You need game sevens. You need game sevens bad. You need shit to drag. Like, you need that man out there. Yes. Like, you know, at the surface, like, hearing you say, it, like, oh, like, yes, we absolutely, we're going to lose without Chris Paul. Like, it does sound a little weird to say that. You know what I mean? Because it's not like, you know, obviously he scored 37 points the other night, you know, whenever they closed out the series and all that. But it's like, you know, he doesn't do that every night, you know? It's not like that's like a regular thing where he's dropping 30 something. But like, like, let me phrase it like this. If you heard Devin Booker route versus Chris Paul, who would you be more worried about? I mean, I would be worried about Devin Booker, but I will say at the same time, I think what hurts Phoenix is going to be if Chris Paul is out an extended period of time, not having the veteran that's been there. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, the service on paper, you're like, oh, well, we can't lose Devin Booker. We just can't. But then you're like, well, wait, like we have this like general on the court with a basketball. We'll be OK. We'll find ways. We'll find yeah, a way to win this. We'll make this happen where it's like that. I think like the most like the, that's what I'm saying. Like you, logically, you're like, well, we don't really need him. But then you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, we fucking do. We were yeah. terrible without that guy. Now, you can probably win depending on who you match up against up a game or two. Without Chris Paul, but you're not winning a series because who's the veteran that they turn to? Jay Crowder? Like, I mean, you you need a star, especially on a young team that has been in that situation and in that moment to be able to pull a Devin Booker aside and be like, hey, here's what we, we need you to do in this moment. We need you yeah. to step up here. That's where you're going to lose Chris Paul depending on how long he's out. And we'll probably know here in the coming days what Chris Paul's status is going to be going forward. But again, the best thing right now for Phoenix is they're not having to play in any games right now. Yeah. And it's going to be that way. That's good. That's good because you don't, we don't know when the clock started on Chris Paul. You know, we don't know how long it is. We don't know. There's so many details we don't know, but, and then, but the problem is though, if, Every, let's say it's worst case scenario. He doesn't have any shots. He has COVID. Talking two weeks or so. Kawhi, there's ACL. That doesn't really ring too many good bells for you. You know what I mean? Maybe the maybe the NBA will delay a game a day or so. But I mean, there's, this is this is it's tough. as crazy as I've ever seen it in terms of 
the NBA playoffs because of uh, you have so many stars injured. I mean, you just mentioned Kawhi Leonard, and that's huge. So I'm sorry. That's 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 literally everything. You're you're not winning a series led by Paul George. We've seen this story before. We know how this plays out. So the unless Clippers the real playoff P comes trouble. out, yeah, the the, the 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 Clippers are in real trouble. You have, and honestly, there's every team outside of like Atlanta that I can think of that has some sort of injury. Well, Milwaukee's well, well Milwaukee's probably the biggest that doesn't have some sort of injury concern. The Hawks, DeAndre Hunter is out for the year. Uh, the Sixers, Joel Embiid is playing on essentially no meniscus because it's torn. We don't know the yeah. severity of the torn yeah. tear, but you can do it. You he's got a tear work. in his meniscus. He looks high. The the Nets lost two of their three big stars. Because look, I know that Katie dominated. Katie dominated. Kyrie Irving. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving for a moment here. Let's do it. How hurt do you really think that dude is right now? I don't know. When when they yank when the foot when I can read the bottom of his soul, he's that's a pretty bad ankle sprain. That's all I will say. But. And, Let's say they're in game seven. Well, he's going to do what James Harden did. If that's what you're saying, he's going to do what James Harden did. I'm questioning his loyalty to the game of basketball, which we all have been all year. But now it's actually a thing where will he do it? Will he play on a fuck? Will he play on a fucked up ankle to make win? Going to find out. I'm just saying is. I saw it, and it didn't look great. You know, rolling angle, no matter what, didn't look great. But the way I'll say it, was it the worst one you've ever seen? And have I seen guys come back from worse? Probably. I'll one d- name I'll that rings that. a bell, Kobe Bryant. Not comparing the two, but I know he fucked his ankle up a lot down the I'm stretch in playoffs. LeBron, I think LeBron, the LeBron ankle sprain was way worse. Early was way worse in terms of just how it looked. So I, your point is well taken. And we're going to find out if Milwaukee wins you at game seven Saturday. That's where we're mm-hmm. at. We're going to find out very quickly. But the Nets All are right, how about, riddle. How about, I was going to say, how about imagining doubting Kevin Durant being like a killer? <laughs> yeah, like, that was, like, that was like Michael Rapp- Michael Rappaport. I mean, I don't know if there's going to guy – Who's had the worst takes, worst luck in that industry over the last five years? You start where he gets fired for Barstool for literally being just a dirt ball. Then he loses his lawsuit against him, gets made fun of for facial herpes. No offense to anyone if you have that. Like, just exposes to having terrible takes on like live TV, like undisputed. Cries on live TV, basically, and then has the t- has the audacity after all that to go. Katie ain't built like that. At what point have you watched Kevin Durant and go, that dude ain't a fucking killer. That dude's a dog. That dude and Steve Nash. I felt like that. You saw the picture of him hugging Katie at the end of the game. Yep. I feel like I could feel that hug through a picture of how much it meant to both of them. Like, Steve Nash is like, oh, my God, you did it. Holy shit, you did it by yourself. Didn't do anything. Just sat here. Just sat on that bench and watched you do it. Didn't even need to do anything. 
But it's I mean, like, I don't know. I can't imagine. I don't know why people all of a sudden are questioning Kevin Durant and his ability to be a killer in the playoffs. Like, you know, I get he played in the Warriors, but before that, he was on the Thunder, and he was an absolute savage. So, whatever. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole – and the funny part was I love the reaction. Look, P.J. Tucker is a really good defender. I'm not taking that away from him. but Dude, he looks visually – visually, it looks so bad when he steps up to KD. He yes. literally looks like a midget, and it looks like your older brother just yelling at you. And, like, you're like, dude, I mean, you might want to just back off. Might want to let <laughs> die – you know, this ain't, this ain't, you ain't Draymond, you know, in that sense. Like, Draymond could talk shit and he would, you know, play a little dirty to get even. But, like, PJ Tucker ain't doing that. I know that funny, for a fact. The funny thing is, like, there's one thing where, like, you just look at a guy and you say, okay, he's going to get his, right? Like, KD, you go, okay, he's going to get his 30. How do you let him just all of a sudden get 35, 40? And how are you not, like, okay, I need to make an adjustment because this guy's on a roll. And you have one of the best defensive players in the NBA in Giannis on your team. It's not like you didn't have an option to defend KD. You just sat there and said, nah, I think we're good. We don't need it. Yeah. Who is Giannis guarding? I can't even think. It was uh, Landry Shamit. He guarded Landry Shamit last night. Right, 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 right. How silly does that sound? How silly does that sound? Uh, it's just, I, I like, even saying it boggles my mind that we're even having that discussion. But absolutely, KD is the guy. And if you forgot about that, he proved it last night. But he may have to do it again because James Harden is not going to be 100% in this series. He may no. get back to close to 100% if you make it to the conference finals. But he's not going to be 100% the rest of this series. And God knows what Katie's, what Kyrie's going to do. So you may need Ke- Kevin Durant to put up another big day. Like, that's what you may need to win this series. Dude, just have James Harden do what he does. Go three-point line to three-point line. You know he ain't going to play deep. You know they're not putting him in there for defensive purposes. <laughs> You're Like, I mean, to be frank, Steve Nash knows it. I mean, they all know it. You're just hoping he gets you, you know, on his bum hamstring. Like, if he gets you – what, 15, 18 points? That's probably solid, right? It's probably better than what you could ask for. You know, and if he does more, awesome, great. You know, if you get 20 and then Katie drops 30, like, I mean, that's shit, you know? So let's let's end on this note. Two coaches were fired today. Scott Brooks and the Wizards were mutually agreed to part ways. What the fuck was that? What did he ask for? How do you go into that negotiation asking for more money and then not arriving <laughs> at like what is like how where do you get off? Where do you think you deserve more? Where that's what I don't get about like players and coaches. If you ain't performed, why the fuck are you even arguing about what I'm about to pay you? This is right. very fair. This like, is a fair it, deal. Unless unless it's Scott Brooks walk in and say I demand more money because I got to put up with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. What the hell? That's a terrible excuse. Because, like, you're telling me those are the hardest guys to coach? I guarantee you. I bet you I could find some other dirtball on that team who sucks and we don't even know his name. He thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. Like, makes no like, it's your job. Do your job. And you don't do it well. Don't do it good enough, I guess. 
And I will say this, Stan Van Gunny got fired by the Pelicans. Which job to you is more appealing? Oh, I'd go to the, I would immediately go to the Pelicans just because of Zion. Like, I don't want to deal, like, I, I mean, I will contradict myself. I don't really care. Like, you know your team in Washington. You have Ross, you have Bradley Beal. Great. Okay, I'm probably going to lose both those guys in what? Two, three years, maybe. I'll say this. I take the Pelicans, but neither job is great. I mean, the Pelicans nope. have talent, but the Pelicans have a lot of developing they have to do. You like There's a lot of guys that really need to continue to take steps, and that's what essentially I think was the rift with Stan Van Gunny was a guy, guys did not progress, guys did not develop the right way. The Wizards may be appealing for now because maybe you're looking at that situation and saying, well, I can go one more year. I have Bradley Beal. I have Russell Westbrook. I can try to bring a third star in and make a run for it in the East. You but, need a big star. You need, I don't even know. You, know what, you, need, you need on a level of, of, a, of a star big, and I don't know where that's coming. I mean, is, is Andre Drummond? Who's a free agent? Who's going to be a free agent? Like that that's might be not, the best option. That's a that's a terrible option, low key. It is, and so it's like that's where the Wizards are like in that in between where it's like okay, you don't have enough young talent there to excite you because you the the guys you took Rui Hachimura, uh, Debbie Ozzy, the kid, the guy they took this year, like are all development pieces. None of them are stars like uh, some other draft picks. So they're projects. You don't have a big. So the Wizards are in that kind of weird spot where I don't think they're appealing, but I think the Pelicans, as appealing as it is with that talent, is going to be a tough job because you're going to have expectations that that first year, that team has to be a playoff team. That team has to be a top team in the West. And I think that's what got Stan Van Gundy. And I think that's what's going to get a lot of coach not interested in that job is the expectation they have to win right away. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. All right. But also, when did you... <laughs> like, Steve Van Gundy, come on. Like, did we really think that was, like, going to fix it? Shit, you might as well f- call find Mark Jackson's old-ass number. And give him a try. Because I mean, he'll do better. You just got to find a way to beat that ESPN money. That guaranteed money. But, yeah, I don't know. People, so weird bringing, like, old coaches back. Like, football does it every now and again. Like, Herm Edwards or whatever. Like, all this weird shit. And I think that's a good spot to leave this opening kickoff podcast. We are off next week. The B team of KB, David, and Dan will be filling in for us. And I have no idea what they will talk about. So that'll be all sorts of fun. We will be back the following week. We got a fun show planned for that one as well. So for Peyton Gerard. Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy golf. Starts tomorrow. Let's hope for Brooks and Bryson final day. Come on. I'm Dave Stamuttle. You can find us on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at KickoffPod altogether. Go rate, review, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode of the show. 
because we are putting out the content. We got some great things planned for you guys going forward. Have a great week, everybody. Happy Father's Day, because we will not be back until afterwards. So happy Father's Day to our fathers out there. Have a great week, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.